To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Capital Club Radio, brought to you by Flock Specialty Finance. Please welcome your host, Chairman and CEO, Michael Flock. Good afternoon and welcome to Capital Club Radio. Today, we're delighted to speak with David Fisher, the co-founder and chief investment officer of Signature FD, one of the leading wealth management firms here in Atlanta. David started his career uh, at the accounting firm Fraser Dieter in 1993 when he specialized in audit and attestation services. As chief investment officer, his primary responsibility today is to lead the firm's investment committee and to develop the long-term vision, policy, and strategy for Signature FD's investment team. He's a recognized... Hey, I'm Maurice. As a barber, you might think my scissors are my main tool, but really, it's Metro. That's where I got my iPhone 7. Its camera makes sharing my cuts as simple as snip, snap, share. Right now, get an iPhone 7 with a camera that shoots 4K for just $49.99 when you switch to the number one brand in prepaid. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Requires port in a eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. And verification of ID and independent database. Limit four per account slash household. 32 gigabyte iPhone 7 model only. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions. As an expert and speaks frequently at conferences and quoted often in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Financial Advisor Magazine, and Practical Accountant. But in the spirit of full disclosure, we at Flock Finance have known David for several years as he is one of our leading equity investors and on our board of directors. So, David, let's get started. How did you get into wealth management? I mean, did you have you didn't have dreams as a kid, did you, of managing lots of money, or or did you? How, what what did you want to do when you were a kid? Well, and well, first off, Michael, let me just uh, say thank you for having me on the radio program today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know you and your full team at Flock the last several years, uh, and I'm honored to be able to share my story today. Um. So, you know, from a career perspective, I grew up in the late 80s, went to college at University of Alabama, and during uh, school, we had a, a little recession in the early 1990s, and so, uh, you know, my parents were very clear that I had four years to get out of school and <laughs> find a job, <laughs> okay. uh, and so accounting seemed to be the best uh, degree that I could come out uh, right out of school and get a, a decent paying job from day one. So, you... You got out of school. Day one, you had a job, Signature FD in accounting. So why, and I think it was, what, three or four years after that, you got into wealth management. You and I think one or two others created a business plan to migrate, transition to wealth management from Signature FD. What what motivated you to do that? What inspired you to do that when you had all these you know companies out there who were obviously good prospects for accounting firms. Yeah, and, and I'll touch on the story in just a second uh, about how we started uh, at, what at the time was called F&D Advisors. Today is Signature FD. Um, but as far as why uh, that 
was a career path that made sense to me. It really was a focus issue. Uh, after just a couple of years in business, I realized that you either need to focus on corporate work um, or individual, uh, or at least that made sense to me. And, and I really enjoyed the challenges that came with um, working with families and helping them um, understand and achieve their personal financial goals. And so that, that was what kind of led us mm-hmm. uh, down the path that we, that we were, uh, that we started on. Um, but, you know, back up to that story about how we got started um, in the business. And it, it's a little, uh, if anyone's seen the Jerry Maguire movie, uh, it's a little Jerry Maguire-esque. Uh, Doug Liptak, who's uh, one of the co-founders with me, we both uh, were at a conference out in Dallas, Texas, and we uh, skipped the conference. Uh, don't tell uh, my old uh, CPA partners, but uh, we skipped the conference and spent two days putting together uh, really a business plan, a mission statement around uh, what we thought was a way to get into the wealth management business via a CPA firm um, environment. We wrote that paper up. Uh, we came back from our conference. Um, and again, like Jerry Maguire, we slid it in the uh, boxes of the uh, the partners at the CPA firm, um, and we took off uh, Friday afternoon and went home and wanted to see what was going to happen. And you know, remember that we were 24 uh, years old at the time, uh-huh. and so obviously we didn't have a lot of uh, right. leverage uh, from a, a business perspective. Um, but we did think it was uh, mm-hmm. a, a dream worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you get from the plan to the reality? Yeah, and then so that took obviously some time um, because of where we were uh, from a career perspective um, and what background information, you know, background knowledge that we had. So we spent about three years. Uh, this is where it deviates a little bit from Jerry Maguire. Instead of getting fired, uh, like <laughs> like uh, uh, Tom Cruise did in the movie, yeah. um, our partners actually embraced the idea. Um, they put together a, a committee with us to to think through. Uh, how best to approach this. And we spent several, two years really, um, understanding the details of what it would take to get a business started. At the same time, you know, we started introducing, uh, the idea to some of our, our clients. Um, and then in 1997, uh, is when we formally, uh, started, uh, what's become Signature FD. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so were some of your first pros? prospects nationally than some of the individuals in these companies where you were doing the accounting and CPA work? Yeah. So the, you know, the idea that we had in starting the business um, was really that there was uh, a broad set of services that would really be required to make a family um, successful when it comes to their uh, financial plans. Um, CPA firms have a component of that, which is obviously tax related, uh, but we felt there was other portions of the um, mm-hmm. of the mix that needed to be handled, which is investments, risk management, cash flow planning, retirement planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was where we started you know, spending our time and energy was to build that uh, credibility from a firm perspective. And we did start marketing it originally to the families uh, of Fraser and Dieter and the partners that had that um, experience and credibility from a market perspective. And so they were the, the champions uh, to help us get started. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like then that what drove you or one of the drivers was the desire to work with individuals versus companies and to help them, I guess, grow their net worth. And, and also it sounds like part of you thought it was maybe more fun also. Is that right? Well, I think it was really just a focus issue. Uh, I mean, the way I look at it 
is that you have to be an ex, you know you have to really be an expert um, in the area that you want to pursue. And mm-hmm. so as a long-term area of expertise, that was the what seemed the most challenging, but also the most interesting. And 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 others may have different opinions, but to me, it was the most rewarding uh, part was d- working directly with families and seeing the response that that they had when you help them with uh, challenges or. Uh, to try to you know take advantage of the opportunities that they have. Right. So leveraging your financial and tax expertise and helping families, I guess some of whom might have been part of these companies you were working with as well. Correct. Yes, and that was you know the the, the great uh, and Fraser and Dieter is, is still an affiliate with us and and a, and a good strategic partner. Um, but they've always had a focus on working with closely held businesses, mm-hmm. um, and certainly that is a great source of right. uh, new clients for a firm like ours for financial planning certainly um you know on the capital club radio show we like to tra- draw connections between the personal lives and the professional lives and when i think of david fisher i also think of someone who is passionate about the boy scouts and you were a boy scout in fact i think you were an eagle scout which is the ultimate i guess in the hierarchy of the boy scout culture um can you tell our listeners a little bit how you got into Boy Scouts and some of the principles that you live by in Boy Scouts? And, you know, are there any connections with what you do for people at Signature FD and the clients of Signature FD? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's a connection um, between the leadership skills that you learn in scouting, uh, even though they're maybe subtle when you're a youth, they definitely come back to help you out um, as you as you get older. Um, I have been involved. Uh, I have a, a 14-year-old son who's in ninth grade this year, and we've been. Uh, it's been my passion to work with him. Uh, he loves the outdoors, and so that's where the original interest on his part came from. And uh, I, I've taken the last couple of years to really take an active role in that. I've been scoutmaster of our of our home troop um, for the last couple of years, and spend a lot of time on that. You know, so the the question is, what is the uh, value of that from a leadership perspective. And I, I was at a breakfast recently and a prominent, uh, Atlanta business person, um, said that the, the purpose of scouting is really to mass produce Nick's, the next generation's leaders. Um, and I think that's really what, you know, what it's about. I tell the kids, uh, the scouts that I work with all the time that we're going to focus on, um, making it fun. But when they're not paying attention, we're going to teach them uh, leadership skills. And, and so that really comes back to uh, what we talk about mm-hmm. in, in scouting and just the environment of allowing them to work with their peers in a safe environment, you know, kind of work through uh, what can be, you know, appear to be big challenges when you're 12, 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. uh, but how to work together, you know, as a team and get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Rex Tillerson is, is another, um, famous person, uh, currently uh, serving the country as a secretary of state. And he was the president of the Boy Scouts of America uh, for a couple of years while he was uh, also the CEO at Exxon. And I've seen him speak on several occasions. And he, he says uh, he challenges anyone to look at the scout oath and the scout law and try to find something in there that's missing from a leadership mm-hmm. training uh, perspective. Uh, he said he spent, you know, hours and hours trying to think of anything that you would add, um, to, to those, uh, to those, to the scout oath and the scout law. 
and has not found anything that was missing in those. So could you comment on a few of those principles in the scout oath and the scout law that uh, kind of drive the uh, goals of the Boy Scouts? And, you know, are there any parallels with some of those principles that you use to found and today lead Signature FD? I think the simplest thing is to just uh, literally review the points of the scout law. The scout law goes, a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And all of those points of the scout law uh, really match up with what we believe, you know, it's Signature FD and what most people would believe um, from a uh, um, leadership perspective, you know, encompasses the, mm-hmm. the, the key uh, criteria. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly trust, right, as a financial advisor. I mean, that's that's essential. Um, you know, loyalty, uh, being loyal to, I suppose, both your clients and your employees. Um, and speaking of culture, David, you know, I, I realized in, you know, kind of studying up on some of the recent history of Signature FD that uh, Signature FD was recognized for this by Charles Schwab. And I think it was last year that Signature FD was awarded um, the Best in Business Impact Award by Charles Schwab, which I think has, I think I was told has like something like 5,000 businesses that are part of their circle and they all compete for this award, and that you they acknowledge that uh, Signature FD's efforts to empower people and to uh, create a culture to not just make money, but also to have employees and customers live a great life. And it's they said that Signature FD has established client communities such as Signature Women and Signature Exec to bring together clients to meet, learn, grow, and have fun. Can you elaborate on this? And because I think there is a connection here between the culture and what you learned in Boy Scouts, and now how you're leading Signature FD, and so much that you get recognized by Charles Schwab. Yeah. Well, um, you know, first, Michael, thank you for recognizing that. Uh, we, we we definitely were very appreciative um, of that award uh, last year. Um, I think mostly it recognizes our entire team. Uh, you can't win something like that without having a fantastic team of people that are engaged every single day and trying to uh, serve your clients and, and make a difference um, in the world. The attributes that Schwab looks for and the winner for that award really boil down to uh, firm culture, uh, management, um, techniques and technology, um, and how really just best practices from a industry perspective. And so clearly, uh, out of, uh, several thousand, uh, clients, as you mentioned, um, we were very proud to win that. I think how it plays into our future and really the intentionality of what we've been working on with our team and from our service offering for clients. Um, is a, is a couplefold. One, we really believe that there is a um, distinction or a competitive advantage, if you will, in the industry today of trying to attract young talent. Mm-hmm. Um, financial services, financial planning um, is a relatively new industry and career track. Uh, and because of the growth and the retirement of the you know, baby boom generation and, and the um, changes in the financial 
world, it's putting a lot of pressure on families and, and individuals to plan for their own future. Uh, and so we really think there's going to be a, you know, almost a shortage of, of talent. And so we've tried to intentionally create a very strong culture internally uh, to make sure that we can be one of the most attractive places to work. Um, if you're, if you're, uh, up and coming in this, in this profession. Um, secondly, from a client perspective and a client facing, uh, I think the most significant difference that we've tried to make is that we really believe that wealth is much more than just about money. Uh, wealth is, encompasses your, uh, your other resources, which is your time, your energy, your, uh, connections, your talents. And so we do try to take a, a comprehensive and all-encompassing view of, of a family and the individuals in that family and how they can best um, create a life that mm-hmm. um, is going to make an, a material impact to mm-hmm. those around them. Mm-hmm. So you might say it's more than a transaction. It might that would be uh, that would be the the flock finance way of uh, of, of looking at it. yes absolutely yeah, it's not just the money. Yeah, and that goes back to you know one of our embedded beliefs is that that really the financial um, industry from a consumer standpoint in many ways is, is a broken industry today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's it's, it's there's constant new products and ideas being generated, but they're complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average person has no ability to understand and comprehend how those might make a difference for themselves. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the industry mm-hmm. sales practices are not always, you know, where we would want them to be from a consumer perspective. And so we believe fully that uh, clients need an advocate in that process and finding uh, a way to navigate through the complexity of that mm-hmm. and match that up with really what they're trying to accomplish because there's a focus on mm-hmm. uh, the uh, immediate um you know, financial product, but there's very little focus on what someone's long-term goals are and how they can best be achieved. So that's how you, the advocate for the client, uh, can navigate through the, I guess, the various markets and asset classes that you encourage them to invest in. Is that? Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things that we say is that uh, trying to simplify, um, simplify someone's financial life, because mm-hmm. if you get distracted by the complexities, right. then you lose sight of the, of the big picture, which is really what you're trying to accomplish. And finding, uh, what we talk about ourselves as being a financial design firm. And the idea of design, you know, is really to take complexity and simplify it down and take, um, um, complex situations and, and look at them in a new way. And that's really what our job is for uh, clients. Well, exactly. And in reviewing your website, yeah, you call it the financial design for life and you, you characterize it with three, three things, deep expertise, innovative approach, and comprehensive service offerings that combined create a personalized financial design to, I guess, another way of saying it is you simplify the complexities through this design. And I guess that becomes like a plan. Is that an annual plan for each client? I mean, it really never stops. Uh, you know, five years or uh, situations can change, you know, overnight for someone and you, and, and their plans have to adjust. Um, but otherwise, you know, things may go status quo for, uh, for a number of years. Uh-huh. Um, but we do, we spend significant time with our clients, both face to face, interchanging, you know, telephone and, and, and email. Um, and in most cases, we have a very um, 
detailed relationship with them as far as helping think through all the different financial decisions. And so how do you measure or evaluate your success on a client by client basis? How do you know that this culture, this stuff that seems soft to a lot of people, but important, how how do you measure whether or not that has had an impact on client satisfaction? Well, there's certainly the quantitative side of it, and that's an important part of it. Um, Obviously, uh, managing clients' wealth uh, has return uh, goals and objectives with it, and that drives their ability to do, to make decisions in the future, protecting them from a risk management perspective, you know, making sure that they don't have um, unforeseen liabilities. Uh, but the softer side of it, you know, is really around um, the word I, u- I typically use is an empathetic um, relationship with a client. So quick story, one of our uh, senior client care associates uh, was working with a client and their grandchild was uh, off to college. Uh, there was a payment that was supposed to go to the college that got missed uh, somehow in the system. Um, the grandparents who were the ones uh, supporting this uh, were off on a cruise and the parents uh, were kind of unable to do anything because mm-hmm. it was it was not an account that they managed. And it would have been very easy and most uh, most uh, firms probably would have tried to push back onto the, uh, the, it was a 529 plan, tried to push back to get that to be the solution. Um, in, in our case, my team members stepped up, took charge of it, and was able to push it through, uh, from our perspective and get all the fees waived, um, so that we didn't have to bother a client that was on vacation and the child was able to start school on Monday. Um, and so that's just taking things to an extra step. Mm-hmm. And when I say empathy, putting yourselves in the in the shoes of all those parties involved and recognizing what needed to get done mm-hmm. um, and making sure that that happened. So that's a good example of going from the macro to the micro then actually um, fulfilling a client's need on a very specific transaction, which was important to the family. Yes. Yeah. And where the, where uh, your question about, you know, where does the reward from that come from? Uh, I mean, there is the quanti- quantifiable aspects of a relationship, but the authentic thank yous from a client when something like that comes, uh, comes to fruition. Um, in that clay, in that case, the client sent a nice note and a, uh, mm-hmm. I think a, a restaurant gift card right. to our client uh, care associate, recognizing uh, mm-hmm. what they had done to kind of help mm-hmm. make sure that that was uh, accomplished while they were out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been talking about a lot of great things that Signature FD has achieved in its, gosh, now 20-year history. Um, but we all know that, you know, the markets, uh, financial planning never goes perfectly smoothly. And we've had a few recessions in the last 20 years. In fact, uh, some people are saying we're headed for another one because the last one was in you know, 2008. We're now 17. That's nine years. You know, what? what's – could you tell our listeners a little bit about how you've dealt with some of the adversity along the way, meaning the adversity in financial planning and the markets? You're, you're managing, you know, billions. I think you told me you have $3 billion under management right now. So how, how do you deal with that? Like in 08, we had a huge crash then. And there's some people saying now, you know, 17, 18, it's got – time for a, maybe some kind of a pullback. How, how do you deal with that? I mean, certainly um, cycles come and go. And, and so there's, uh, in this business, there's no way to avoid difficult times uh, in the markets. I think the primary 
responsibility on a financial advisor at that point is to help their clients um, manage their their emotional uh, their emotional needs. Um, clearly, in two thousand eight two thousand nine, that was a um, larger than normal uh, crisis. It was precipitated by a lot of financial market um, you know pressures, and so it was hopefully worse than what we typically have. But the way we address that is to sit down with clients and refocus on long-term plans. And so when you put together a financial plan, uh, you're, you have to account for uh, the ups and downs mm-hmm. of, of the market and the economy. That's just part of it. And so when we did that exercise uh, with literally every client in late 2008, early 2009, we were able to show the vast majority of them that their plans were not altered by that event. Uh, just delayed, maybe? They or? might be delayed. It might just be a function of, um, you know, if, if they were spending a little too much, you know, it gave them an opportunity to kind of reassess and get back in line. Yes, if they were uh, going to retire in 2009, maybe they delayed it a year or two. But the emotional aspect of that is recognizing uh, the markets are volatile and that you have to continue on a plan once you've kind of set that course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so through that process in 2010, 2011, most clients recovered back to the um, to the levels that they had before the financial crisis. And so that, that's how things tend to happen is that they are painful, um, but it's only those that make a mid-course, you know, bad decision um, that are permanently impacted. Others uh, will get back to where they were. Uh, relatively soon. And so that will happen again. It's impossible to know. We can't market time. Uh, we don't believe that there's any way to accurately assess the future. The future by definition is uncertain. Uh, but by nature, it is truthful that the markets have done well for the last several years. The economy has done well. Um, and eventually those things usually turn um, based on, you know, policies by the government, policies by the Federal Reserve, um, or just a you know lack of 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 demand at any given point. So I don't know when that's going to happen. We'll be watching as uh, intently uh, as anybody um, so that we can help clients through it. So what's your outlook for eighteen? Because seventeen is almost over. So what are you telling your clients about the the economic outlet look and investment opportunities for next year? I, th- I think you know if you look at the markets right now, uh, there, you, you can certainly assess how things are going right now. And where the the near term is is likely to go, the, the big change that's happened over the last call it twelve months is that we really have entered a synchronized a global uh, recovery story, which has not played out since mm-hmm. the financial crisis. So since the financial crisis, you've had differing uh, mm-hmm. markets that have been doing okay, but they were not all in sync with each other. And so as of uh, about this time last year, um, the four major regions in the world: Japan, China, Europe, and the U.S. Mm-hmm all began a synchronized recovery. And so that has added some durability mm-hmm. um, to where we are right now. Uncertainty. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and that can reinforce itself. That can create positive surprises, which we've seen recently, um, in, especially in Europe and Japan. Um, but how long that persists and when policy, like I said, you know, central bank policies have uh, a history of being the things that trigger uh, a downturn. How long does that go? You know, we don't know, but for the for, for the for the near term future, things do look uh, relatively stable. Mm-hmm. So, 
really then is it the economic cycles and potential recessions uh, are, are those the biggest obstacles to success for for signature fd or is it something more specific uh relative to the markets and asset classes that you're in today um what 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 are the challenges that you face going forward if it's not something macro is it something local uh something related to your asset strategy or a failure on your your uh, strategy to uh, differentiate yourselves through talent and expertise. What 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 keeps you up at night? Well, I would I would say from a leadership perspective, uh, the the hardest thing is knowing that when times get tough, you know you have to work even harder, keeping your team motivated. Um, at the same time that you know our uh, firm companies in our industry, our uh, revenues are tied to uh, to the market. So at the same mm-hmm. time, you're having to work harder. And uh, dig a little deeper. You know, mm-hmm. it's also the same time that your revenues um, are taking uh, taking some kind of a hit. And so that, from a leadership perspective, is obviously a challenge to keep everybody motivated uh, and going in, in the right direction. But we can't we can't do anything about that. Those are uncontrollable, right? Um, and they and they happen from time to time. I think the biggest uh, uh, challenge to any business in our space is to not lose track of what they're about. And what their culture is and what their people, um, the expectations of their people, um, we have. Uh, they're meeting the clients. Yes. Yeah. Their, their attention to detail and working with the clients, mm-hmm. uh, th- that word empathy again. We have four core values at our firm and we talk about them, um, all the time. Growth, gratitude, greatness, and generosity. And we really, um, believe in those and we look at everything through the lens of those core values. And, and believe that that's what makes a difference. And so uh, I would say the biggest challenge is uh, losing sight mm-hmm. of what's important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, success can breed, um, can breed complacency. And those things are very delicate. Uh, you're either improving and growing or you're going in the other direction. Uh, I firmly believe that. And you're not usually standing still. And so you have to constantly push uh, to continue to try to grow. So keeping focused, focused on the fundamentals, focused on the financial design for life in these times of uncertainty, uh, particularly when I guess, you know, you'd say every eight or nine, 10 years, we've got some kind of, some kind of pullback or recession. So that, does that summarize pretty much what you just yeah, said? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just, it's just like any, uh, anything else in life. You have to prepare mm-hmm. for the difficult times so that when they come, you know, you have the, the strength to, to get through them, um, but enjoy the times uh, when they're good because right. that's what gives you the energy to uh, to get through more difficult times. Right. And so how does uh, your investment in flock finance, uh, all our debt buyers and our uh, originators of subprime performing loans, how, how does that asset class and our relationship fit into your, to your plan and your view of the business for your clients? Well, you know, first we, uh, uh, appreciate all the time and energy that you gave to us, uh, over those many years while we were, um, four years. To that. that was a long so, uh, selling cycle. You give me a hard time on all, on, on that all the time, <clears throat> uh, of how long we talked before we, uh, actually started, uh, to get serious about investing together. Um, but we've been, um, we've been, uh, amply rewarded and appreciate all that your team's done for us, uh, to date. Uh, you know, the industry, um, for, for many investors, uh, you know, can have a reputation of being a difficult one. And so that was certainly mm-hmm. part of our, 
time and energy that we wanted to make sure that we understood uh, the industry. But clearly, uh, the rates return that are available um, in in the space that you operate in are attractive. Um, investors today very much uh, appreciate cash flow. It's very difficult to find cash flow generating uh, investment ideas um, in this environment with interest rates being as low as they are. Um, so that's a, an a, a attractive attribute. Um, and I think, you know, we, we spent a, a good bit of time, as you know, before um, investing with Flock, looking at some other alternatives in the space. And really for us, uh, what it boiled down to is we never found other f- fully diversified strategies. So the approach that, that you all take at Flock of investing across uh, many different um, cl- with many different customers mm-hmm. uh, in many different asset classes across time and in, in you know dozens if not more uh, portfolios gives us a diversification uh, advantage and and so that was uh, one of the major attractions to us uh, and then secondly the um, the space uh, has been going through an evolution especially since the financial crises and regulatory changes and whatnot, uh, and our belief that you all had the approach uh, to understand that and to navigate that and to focus on uh, customers um, that were uh, intentional about trying to do things the right way mm-hmm. in a space that you know can have some um, questionable practices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, David. Well, our time is almost up. Do you have any uh, final words for our listeners today on kind of what you've learned, uh, both in terms of how you built Signature FD and perhaps, you know, uh, secondarily, your work in the Boy Scouts. It seems like there are some connections here in terms of the principles of leadership and principles for building a great company like Signature FD. Could you want to make some final comments on that? Well, yeah, thank you, Michael. I mean, it, at the end of the day, you know, I've got I've got two kids right now, uh, 14 and 19 years old, and and so you obviously have a lot of time to reflect on lessons that you want to try to teach them. And I, I think the the, the, core, the core message that I always give them is to uh, be responsible for yourself. Um, no one's going to look after your future like you will. Um, be resourceful. Use the talents that you have and try to make sure that you uh, – uh, make the boat, the most of those, whether that, you know, financially is great, but you want to make an impact, um, in this life while you're here. Um, and then leadership, you know, my, my son who's 14 right now, I tell him, you know, you're, you're either a leader or you're not a leader. And so you're either a leader or you're a follower. Right. Uh, and leaders, uh, are the ones that make a difference. And so, um, it's not always comfortable. Sometimes you have to do things that are uncomfortable and you have to stretch yourself a little bit. Um, but that's how you make an impact um, in the world is to, is to be a leader. Why? I couldn't say any better. And uh, on that note, I'd like to thank you, David, for your time this afternoon, the stories of your business and personal life, the importance of leadership, both not just the Boy Scouts, but at Signature FD. And I think what I take away from this conversation is the four G's, the four G's of Signature FD, growth, gratitude, greatness, and generosity. That's the, I think, the, the four ingredients for the success that you've had so far and that you will have in the future. Thank you again for your investment in Flock and your time this afternoon. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity today, and uh, thank you for your friendship and business relationship, and here's to many more years in the future. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining Michael Flock and his guests on the Capital Club Radio Show. For more information on future interviews, please visit us at flockfinance.com. This program is brought to you by Flock Specialty Finance, where clients are provided knowledge and insights to help them grow their business in complex and risky markets. Flock is more than a transaction. Hey, I'm Andy, and I started Harry's, the shaving company that's fixing shaving. At Harry's, we keep it simple. We make sharp, durable blades and offer them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We obsess over quality so much that we do crazy things, like buy a German razor blade factory. So give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for only 3 bucks with free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5. There's nothing more important for your health and well-being than having a good sleep. The experts at Haverty's can help you find the perfect Scott Living mattress for everyone in your family. Haverty's Furniture is partnered with Drew Scott and Jonathan Scott to offer Scott Living mattresses. Now $250 off through President's Day. Plus, when you visit a store, you can expect no pressure, just support. From Haverty's Sleep Experts. Tap now or visit Haverty's.com to find a location near you. 